Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, federal and provincial politicians continue to speak out against U.S. restrictions on exports of medical masks. I just can't stress how disappointed I am with with President Trump for making this decision. I, I understand, he, you know, he, he's thinking I got to take care of my own people, but, you know, we're we're connected. A call goes out for volunteers to support frontline healthcare workers. For those of you with specialized skills looking to help our frontline workers, we do want to hear from you. Health Canada is building an inventory of specialized work volunteers that provinces and territories can draw on to provide more support to our healthcare workers. And the opposition calls for more help for small businesses. Governments have shut down businesses preventing them from doing their normal sales. And revenues for many of these businesses have fallen by 100%. According to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, of those businesses that are closed, one third are not sure they will ever reopen. It's Monday, April the 6th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Hi, Mark. We have the details now on how some of the benefits are going to roll out to Canadians affected by the coronavirus outbreak. And it all starts today. Walk us through what's going to happen. It's going to roll out each day of the week. You can find all that on the government website so as not to overwhelm the system. They want Canadians to do it in a bit of a structured way in terms of applying for these benefits. And then once they do, the Prime Minister has made it clear, uh, did that again yesterday, that it's going to be you know, direct deposit. Once you've applied, direct deposit in three to five days into your account. So that's moving very quickly. And if you want the benefits by mail, then it'll be somewhere around the 10-day mark before you actually uh, see the money. But I, some interesting things are happening around this. Now, this was all rolled out so quickly that we're starting to see some of the questions come forward uh, about not so much loopholes, but unintended consequences, is I guess uh, is the way I'd put it, Mark. So one of those is that uh, for certain part-time workers in essential services and so on, um, you know, some of those people it was it's it's been pointed out make you know maybe fifteen hundred dollars a month. Well, they would be better to stay at home and collect the benefit from the government at two thousand dollars a month than to go into their part-time jobs, even if they're in essential services, and collect fifteen hundred dollars a month. So the prime minister says they're working on ways to address that. And he, yesterday he was kind of appealing. Uh, to the sense of uh, goodness in people, I guess, to say, look, uh, you know, we really need those people who are providing essential services and work. You know, we we would want them to make decisions based not just on their own well-being, but the well-being of others and of the country. I think sort of signaling that please don't take advantage of the program. Uh, If you have a job and you're going into work, this is for people really who cannot work, who must stay home because of COVID-19. And it really wasn't intended for people to make an extra bit of money, but that's, like I say, one of the unintended consequences, and we'll see whether uh, there are a fair number of Canadians who decide that that's what they want to do. They want to stay away from work and collect a little uh, a, a little more income. And, and in these uncertain times, you know, um, you, you would some people will fault them for that. Other people will say, look, you, you do what you need to do to look after yourself and your family. One of the questions I think a lot of people are asking is whether this money and other uh, resources that are going out, whether they're getting out there fast enough. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I know that's more a concern with some of the money directed at small business uh, than at individuals, but uh, that is going to be a critical component in this, isn't it? Yeah, sure it is. Uh, it always is. 
you know, and and uh, and I say always because, uh, you know, there's always concerns about whether government can deliver uh, programs more efficiently than than other people may be able to deliver them. And of course, the government was given some options, including on the small business front. Uh, they were told that the money could flow more quickly if they just made direct payments to the uh, to the businesses and let them pay the employees. And so I think, you know, uh, there's going to be some of that. I think it, it, the next week will tell us, uh, you know, if, if the CRA system for doing this, and there's been a whole lot of public servants working on it, if this new program can deliver this emergency benefit to people in the timelines that it has promised to do and that the Prime Minister has, uh, has sort of held himself uh, to this timetable of three to five days once the application's in, presumably that means somebody who applies today is going to be getting a direct deposit before the end of the week. And if that happens, and at least that system is working, uh, they'll be able to point to that and say, look, we've got a, got a handle on this. But, yeah, there's always going to be the question of whether the money's rolling it quickly enough. And, uh, you know, that will also be amplified if the situation gets a whole lot worse and they have to start coming up with more programs and more money. All right, let's turn to the dispute between Canada and the United States over shipments of supplies that could help Canadians in this in this crisis. Um, there is uh, a, 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 there are different points of view on exactly how Canada should be handling this. Obviously, Dwight Ball, the Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador, was quite angry yesterday in some of his comments. Many people have been pointing out what Canada has done for the United States in the past. The Prime Minister, though, was taking a bit of a different approach, saying we should talk this through rather than retaliate. Yeah, and I think that's been that's largely been um, the way this government has dealt with the United States. This prime minister has dealt with the United States. If you go back over the the free trade talks and so on, you know there was there there was sort of a tariff versus counter tariff for a while in the conversations. But typically, Canada didn't make the first move, and they seem to be able to find a way to talk through the administration. I think that's what's really interesting is you watch these Donald Trump says stuff and does stuff and then you hear about back channel conversations with people close to him so there's clearly a couple of different camps at least in the White House administration and they seem to have the year of the president at different times sometimes it's a uh, it's a straight black and white policy this is what we're going to do and then you find out 10 days later well it's actually not what we're going to do we've we've changed it we've moved it so I think you know the Trudeau government the prime minister is counting on that that there will be some ability uh, to get at least clarity, and, and the policy seems to be shifting, Mark. And in the first day or so last week, it was uh, 3M is being told they won't, you know, no exports of anything to anybody. It sounds like the policy now, maybe a little closer to, you know, if they fill U.S. demand, then they can go ahead and sell to other people. And the White House is saying, look, it's not meant to punish really to punish allies it's meant to stop profiteering and sort of price gouging uh, by the brokers who are selling the material but that doesn't change the fact that there are you know a, a company's been told that right now in the middle of the crisis you know 3m uh, out of minnesota being told you can't send stuff to canada so the option is okay what do we do? And it's been pointed out to the minister a number of times that there's, you know, 1,500 healthcare workers who cross from Windsor into Detroit every day. And Detroit is now one of the hotbeds of, of, of COVID-19 in the United States, uh, you know, really pushing up the, the infection rate and the casualty, casualty rate in the city of Detroit. And some people are saying, look, close the borders of those health workers, send a message. I think the government's done the calculation that in that kind of a, an escalating fight with the United States, there's no way Canada wins it. 
at the end of the day. Uh, you know, so better at this point to appeal to, to, to reason and try to demonstrate, look, make these cases to Donald Trump and find a way uh, to get to him in the next few days. And the prime minister keeps saying he's going to talk to him, but uh, we may hear more about that today as to exactly when that's going to happen. And, and the circumstances of that call to see if he can uh, get the president to understand, look, this is short-sighted, this is humanitarian crisis, and you're penalizing, uh, you know, uh, other countries, and we have a trade deal, and this doesn't work in a trade deal. That's why we have the open borders, and you're you're, you're invoking measures that fly in the face of, at the very least, the spirit of our, our long-time and long-standing ar- arrangement between our two countries. Wanted to talk about the message from public health officials and government officials. Uh, there, there are people saying the message has been shifting over things like whether to wear a mask or not, who should stay indoors, who shouldn't. Um, is is that inevitable given the circumstances, uh, or uh, are we hearing something that is is completely different from what we heard, say, a couple of weeks ago? And 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 is that going to have an impact on the timetable of when we might emerge from all of these restrictions? Yeah, I think so. But I, I think the, the lesson I'm sort of picking up in the last couple of weeks is when you hear something for the first time, don't accept it and don't dismiss it. I mean, we've heard, I mean, Donald Trump's the guy who threw a hydroxychloroquine as a, you know, a malaria drug and a lupus drug, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago is something that he thought he thought held promise that, you know, he's not a medical guy, but, you know, I've got a good feeling about it and we should try it. And Canada's chief public health officer said on Sunday that Canada's part of clinical trials to see whether hydroxychloroquine can work. So, you know, okay, that seemed like a nutty idea three weeks ago. Now they're testing it. And now other countries are taking part in these clinical trials. And so, I, you know, I think the message is that it, it is so fast moving. And, you know, the same thing with, you know, within the last couple of weeks, there was no need to wear a mask in public. Now Canadian officials as well are sort of coming around to, look, we're, we're looking at the possibilities of of, uh, of when it's a good time because we're learning more and more things uh, when it's a good time to wear a mask. We're learning more and more things about transmission that we didn't know for sure before. I mean, for instance, there may be a transmission uh, possibility in, in the first two or three days uh, of an asymptomatic person. So even before you have symptoms, you may uh, be actually passing it on. And if that's the case, there may be far more people in our population walking around with it than we knew or expected, and that may influence the numbers we see in the next uh, few days here, in the next 10 days. Uh, and then there's the issue of masks. Uh, again, uh, you know, uh, I'm not coming to the defense of Donald Trump here, but he and others were suggesting there must, you know, why are we throwing out all these N95 masks? Because that's what they're designed for. They're designed to be worn once and tossed. But in a crisis situation like this, when uh, material is short and people are trying to find ways to get enough of this gear, you know, people started talking about, well, isn't there a way to maybe disinfect them and repurpose them? Well, now the Canadian government, uh, public health officer on Sunday said, we're looking at that too, and we may soon be telling hospitals, don't throw this gear out. We're looking for Canadian companies who can sanitize it and repurpose it. So there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people learning stuff as we go. And I think the thing to be careful of is that if it, you know, if that if that were to happen on some very very key issues that would undermine the confidence of Canadians, that would be uh, a difficult situation at that point. And if we get to places where we can't trust what we're being told, and you know that becomes problematic. I'm not saying we're there yet, but uh, it's changing so fast. To your point, that stuff we didn't think was 
a thing two weeks ago is now getting uh, more scrutiny now and, and may have some possibilities. All right. Great to hear your insights on all of this, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mark, and uh, take care of you and your family, and we'll talk soon. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. As I've said, uh, both sides of the border benefit tremendously from the flow back and forth of essential supplies and of medical goods and services, Uh, and that is the point that we're making to the administration. I am confident that we're going to be able to solve this, and I look forward to speaking with the president in the coming days. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Herman argues, the last thing we need in a pandemic is the me-first instincts of international trade. Herman writes, on the same day Donald Trump announced trade restrictions on medical supplies, the World Trade Organization issued warnings about the damage such restrictions have on efforts to curb the pandemic and called on governments to keep borders open to ensure global supply lines can keep functioning. There's the possibility of me-first actions by other countries taking their cue from Trump, the last thing needed at a time when the world needs extraordinary statesmanship and international cooperation. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt considers the severity of the current situation in Alberta and what that could mean for the rest of Canada. Watt writes, The COVID-19 humanitarian crisis is compounded in its severity by an economic crisis that is worsening exponentially. Nowhere is this more pronounced than Alberta. We are facing the prospect of a depression that will leave no Canadian untouched. But in a country where the energy sector accounts for more than a tenth of GDP, and a region where hundreds of thousands rely on that industry for their livelihood, the politically engineered disaster of dirt-cheap oil is akin to kicking somebody already down. In the Ottawa Citizen, Kevin Siena argues COVID-19 has forced us all to rethink what constitutes essential work. Siena writes, The world, it seems, is suddenly recognizing the essential value of workers who stock shelves and deliver food and goods. This is all happening at a time when in Canada, a five-year campaign to raise the minimum wage of such workers to $15 an hour has met stiff and thus far successful opposition. Now that the importance of these jobs is on full display, let us hope that policies recognizing their true value will be one of the many lasting legacies that the current crisis produces. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. This will be a big week for developments in government efforts to counter COVID-19 and its effects on the economy. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, obviously the Canada Emergency Response Benefit starts to roll out today. People with birthdays in the first three months of the year will be able to apply today, and then each day after that, another tranche of three months, birthdays. Those waiting for checks will have to wait for up to 10 days. Those getting direct deposit into their accounts will receive the payment, the government says, within three to five days. The staggered applications by birthday is an attempt by the government to prevent the system from being overloaded with millions of applicants. We'll also be watching for this week for a potential announcement by the Prime Minister concerning students who won't qualify for the CERB, as someone must have earned at least $5,000 in the previous year to qualify. Prime Minister Trudeau has said that there will be some major announcements soon uh, to address the particular situation of students. Also for young people, Mr. Trudeau has mused about trying to help them uh, get employed in the agriculture and fisheries sectors, which may be hurt by the difficulty in attracting the traditional temporary workers in those sectors. 
Also, we'll be watching for the release of, by the provinces of their modelling of where they see the COVID-19 pandemic headed. Ontario released its modelling on Friday. Saskatchewan is supposed to be releasing its today. Quebec Premier Francois Legault suggested his province would release its modelling on Tuesday and others will follow. All of which puts more pressure on Prime Minister Trudeau to release Ottawa's data and projections. One last development to watch for today, the Canadian Armed Forces sent out notice on the weekend for residents of Ontario, especially in the Barrie area, that they will see armed forces transports and troops on the move from around Ontario towards Canadian Forces Base Borden. The forces say it's all part of a pre-deployment to position the Army's Joint Task Force Central to be ready uh, to help in either the cor- uh, coronavirus effort or in the case of spring flooding. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will provide his daily update on the coronavirus situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, April the 6th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis and primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.